0: Check out Dreamhost. Not only is their solution super affordable, it'll make your website load faster, and they have amazing tools and support for your business to ensure that you grow and succeed. All right, everyone, Neil and I wanted to introduce you to a special edition of the Marketing School and podcast. These are going to be longer audio clips, these are long-form audio clips coming from our conference, Marketing School Live. So we hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think about this type of conference or conference content. And also let us know if you'd like to hear more of this in the future. And really, ultimately, we just wanted you to get a taste of what a live experience with us feels like. Hope you enjoy it. Again, let us know what you think. And without further ado, here we go. And then right now, we actually have one of my good friends, Syed, uh, is last name Balki? Balki. Balki right? well, Sayed Balki. He does many different things and I'm actually going to let him introduce himself because I just, it's hard for me to keep track of everything that he does. Um, so Syed, first and foremost,
1: why don't you give us a little background on kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I normally go by saying I, I blog for a living. Uh, I have a blog called WP Beginner. Uh, we have a media side of the business and a software side of the business, uh, all focus around primarily WordPress. And uh, we create WordPress plugins running on over nine million websites now. Some of the ones that you might have heard of in the marketing space are Optin Monster, Monster Insights, WP Forms. Those are some of the big ones in the marketing space. If you have a membership site, you may have heard of MemberPress or Pretty Link. But yeah, that's like one of, one of my portfolio companies. But we have uh, two dozen. And and Sayed, how long have you been in business for? I started when I was 12 years old. discovered WordPress when I was 16, and I've been in WordPress since then. Yeah. So how many years is that? Uh, 17. Years? Yeah. I'm 28 now. So. Oh, that's Sorry. right. Okay, keep thinking you're over. So
0: here, here's the thing about Sayed. He, we have this this mastermind that we do. We travel about uh, every six months. We go out somewhere, and um, Sayed is actually the wisest one out of all of us. So there's people for, ranging 30s, 40s, or so. He's by far the wisest, and he's only in his 20s. So it just shows how much room he has to continue to grow. I'm sure you know that already um, he's, he's actually kind of like the father some of the people from that group are in here right now he's kind of like the father right in the group um, even though Walter over here is a father as well so how many people do you serve right
1: now with all the tools websites that you
0: own etc so
1: we have over nine million websites using our software mm-hmm. and then our blogs generate over 100 million page views a year wow yeah. Okay. I, so, I sold the biggest one in October, which was yeah. List 25. Yeah. That was a fun thing I created yeah. when I was in college yeah. uh, that had over half a billion YouTube video views and over 2 million subscribers. But I exited that in October. That's great. So I want to talk about that. I mean, th- that's, this is kind of the title of this talk um, How Syed Thinks About Things. And so, <laughs> you know, List 25 was a. It was a top 25, you know, anything you want. Think most, 25 most brutal torture techniques ever devised. Everybody wants to learn about this, but nobody wants to admit it. that they're, They want to learn about it. Or 25 Coolest Psychology Principles or Psychology Hacks. So we just, uh, I, I created it because one of the YouTubers challenged me that you have to have good quality videos on YouTube to mm-hmm. be successful. And he had like 30,000 subscribers. And I was like, well, I suck at creating videos, but I bet you that's not what's important. You can make any video and, and have a rank as long as there's a good intent there. So we took our blog post and um, literally just started narrating it. So I had a guy in, uh, in the U.S. who would narrate it, and a guy in the Philippines who would compile it. Yeah. And they were targeted, you know, with search intent. At the time, nobody was doing it. Now you have Amazon Polly and everything that will automate it. But at, back then, no competition, and... We just dominated YouTube mm-hmm. for a very long time. And how
0: big did that YouTube channel get?
1: Uh, 2.3 million subscribers wow. and over 500, 500 million video views. That's crazy. Yeah. So that, that's one of his properties,
0: right? So that's, okay, proof he's gotten it to 2 million subscribers. Now let's look at WP Beginner or any of the other properties. They're probably doing over a million page views a month. Yeah, yeah
1: way, way over that. Yeah, yeah Way north of that. So I started yeah. that in '09. So mm-hmm. it's turning 10 years old in July yeah. 4th. So like... Be, look, looking at all these things, what do you think is the
0: consistent uh, principle that you're applying? Because YouTube and blogging, those are different things, right? But you've managed to grow big audiences.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think the key for, for me, I, I look at myself as a tor- tortoise in a rabbit race. Just keep doing the same thing you know, consistently, the simple stuff, over a long period of time. And it delivers compounding results instead of jumping from tactic to tactic to tactic. I mean, we do a lot of tactical things, but they're relatively simple because I like I, am a fundamental believer of that complexity is the enemy of execution. The more you comp- make it complicated, the harder you're actually gonna do it. So we, one of our core values, we labor for simplicity, and we just mm-hmm. continue to do simple yeah. things over a long period of time. Yeah. Here, here's another crazy thing. He, he does this with his body too. So,
0: say, um, can you tell people if you're open to sharing what your goals are health wise?
1: Yeah. So I had uh, my son was born uh, two and a half years ago. So I gained all the pregnancy pounds as well, but I never lost it. <laughs> So, but we were at a mastermind and in March, I was like, hey, I'm gonna, I, I was at like 282 pounds at the time, quite heavy. And I'm like, I need to hit 250 by June 9th. And I, just, I said, okay, all I need to do to do this is very like simple things. Number one, drink like four liters of water. So I downloaded an app that helped me track it. I couldn't do a single push-up. I'm like, all I need to do is five push push-ups every day, 10 sit ups, 30 second plank, and like 10 Russian twists, And I just had to do that every day. And, and that's it. And then start eating like healthy. But the key thing is I change my identity whenever I try to do something like that. So I said, I'm the healthy Syed. So, so when we were at a mastermind, they're like, hey, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm like, healthy Syed is here, so I'm not gonna do any of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I tried to call him out on it too. It's like usually he would finish his plate, and he he, he now he just stops and just looks at me. He's like, "I'm healthy," and so that's what it's like now. And then on to his credit, actually, Walter and I, the three of us were talking earlier. and It's like, yeah, so it's getting skinnier and skinnier, and he's like looking like this buff uh, Pakistani dude now. So great, props to you on that. But simplicity, right? Yep. Um, so. Can you talk a little bit, what kind of numbers can you share around, uh, which is the biggest business, Monster?
1: Yeah, Monster okay. is by far the biggest just because the ARPU is higher. Mm-hmm. We have about 900,000 websites using Monster. You know, majority of our very small businesses. They're on our lower plan, but then we also have enterprise, which are very small yep. in terms of account-wise, but big in revenue-wise, things like companies like NBA, Livingly mm-hmm. Media, et cetera, so... You know, it's interesting. So uh, for our software, a couple years ago, I was actually talking to Sayed
0: about pricing and then, you know, the way you, it's also simplicity too. You like starting from the bottom up. Yeah. Um, you don't really like going for building a sales team. You like keeping it easy for people. So so why, besides keeping it simple, why do you like doing that?
1: Well, I guess because when I started out, I couldn't really afford most of the things mm-hmm. and so I, I, I would look for the, you know, cheapest things or the free things and majority of people have that same mindset, right? Then you don't have to If you want to charge more, you have to have a full long sales cycle, blah, blah, blah. I figured out a way to have a good distribution flow through my blog, identifying various success gaps that my users have that goes beyond the functional completion of uh, any of our product. And, and then just start looking at how do I make the funnel bigger by filling those success gaps? And that's what we've been doing over the last like three years of just acquiring and, you know, Cross-sell and value add bundling. Right. Uh, so a mutual friend of ours came up with the, the,
0: the phrase success gaps, but you articulate it better than him. Uh, so <laughs> can you tell everyone here
1: what success gaps actually are? Yeah, so there's two types. One, one is external success gap. It's like what your product does and what the user needs or the customer needs for them to be successful. So opt-in monster, right? It helps you get more email subscribers. So you're like, well, a typical or new entrepreneur, if you're not as wise or as experienced, you will say, "Well, they just need opt monster to grow their business." Well, that's not true because to use opt monster, you have to have an email list, right? And after that, you also have to have uh, have traffic, and even before that, you need to have a website. So those are all the success gaps that the user has to go through in order to find success with the functional completion of our product. So, so just filling those, creating content around those. So this is not. I wouldn't say this is the top of the funnel content, this is not middle of the funnel content. This is kind of like you're outside of the funnel content that where we've put a lot of emphasis on and it has helped us build you know very strategic partnerships around with you know with various brands whether it's ESPs, whether it's CRMs, whether in, in like templates and other, other solutions because our informational content, like I, I see that as our informational content, uh, is someone else's transactional content, and just working with that philosophy of content generation, which is pretty simple, but executing and doing it all over and over, mm-hmm. over has worked well. I think maybe it, I think I remember you told a story about
0: this um, when you asked your team, you know, what is um, what is what is success with our product, right? Because right. right when you when you think about Often Monster, it's an email pop-up tool, right? Right, but. You know, it's, it's actually, when you think about it in that terms, if you just create content around that, you're very limited in terms of what you can do. So, after t- applying success gaps, how, how has that opened up the amount of content that you can create?
1: Right, so now we start thinking about, okay, well, before the user can even find us, they're gonna need to choose a website builder. They're going to need to decide on which email marketing service they need to use. They have to figure out what are the best SEO tools to get traffic, I mean, they just need to learn how to get traffic, so our content, you know, the amount of content we can produce has gone, you know, quite a bit. And there's a second type of success gap, which is an internal success gap, which is, uh, what your product or service does and what the user thinks it should do for them to be successful. So, so sometimes, like, you know, the obvious functions are right there, but then there's a lot of other things that your product can do that's just not right in front of the user. And then writing content and tutorials around that and applying it to different use cases. Because, like, a nonprofit may use OptinMonster completely differently than what a, law firm will do, on what an SEO agency would do. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Cool. Uh, and then the other thing I want to talk about, too, you have a SaaS product, right? It's, right. it's doing well. It's a big revenue driver. It compounds great. But you, know, you come from an affiliate background, too. So maybe first and foremost, just talk about what affiliate marketing means to you, and then I think we can continue with that.
1: I, I think affiliate marketing is having a sales team that you don't have to pay a salary to. Right? So it's a commission-only sales team from my point of view, and we do quite a lot on referral partners and affiliate partners. I mean, we we are affiliate partners for a lot of big brands, but we also have a very robust affiliate system. Because when when I think of SEO, right, and most of you here probably have done some sort of SEO and and rankings, you're like, okay, I want to rank position number one, which is, of course, your goal, or position zero with the snippets. Well, I want position zero to 10. Right? I don't. I, I don't want just one. I want number two and number three and number four and number five and number six and onwards. And how can I do that? I don't have ten sites. Well, now I do, but before I didn't. So we just start like giving all the content ideas to our affiliates, and we'll say, hey. We have a contact form product, which we launched three years ago, right? Contact forms have been around since forever. People are like, why in the world are you entering this space? I'm like, well, because most of the solutions are really hard. And in three years, we went from zero to two million active installs on it. We literally brute force the market. You go look at, like, the best WordPress contact form plugin. One to ten are mentioning us as number one. You look at how to create a contact form. Like one to ten are mentioning mm-hmm. us, or at least seven out of ten are mentioning us. So we are literally seeding those content ideas to our affiliates. Um, you, you look at like type forms alternatives. You're going to find, like you know, all, all of our affiliates are now creating those content. So we're like teaching our affiliate how to do content marketing, so then they can take position number two and below because we know our. Our efforts are always to get the position number one spot. So when I approach affiliates, I don't just think of them. Oh, these are you know some shady people doing some PPC. I look at them as like you know outbound outbound sales agent who I don't have who I don't have to pay a salary to.
0: Yeah, and the reason I'm bringing this up too, because those of you that have SaaS companies here, even the SaaS companies that we work with, they tend to avoid affiliates. They think it's dirty. Da da da. da. I, I think you know. What are your thoughts around that? Um, when people, I, I feel like that's a lazy comment.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the content already exists. Like, for example, somebody has, like, the best conversion optimization article out there, right? The, all the different brands are trying to create. Maybe it's their top of the funnel content, right? Maybe it's their informational content. But for us, that's transactional content, right? So we'll go there, reach out to them, and say, hey, you're mentioning this. How about we give you a free trial of OptinMonster or free account for OptinMonster forever? You try it out, and, you know, if you like it, place us there and then um, we'll give you a ref share on top of that. They're like, wait, this article makes us no money right now, and all of a sudden now we're adding this additional revenue stream. Most, most brands are pretty open to just adding us and not even taking a cut. So it's just like, you can either think of this as like a placement opportunity for your SEO links, but for me, I don't really care about SEO links, I care about the dollars generated from placements. You know, So whether it's an affiliate link or an SEO link, it doesn't matter, I just want, I just want the user to come to us and i think it's pretty pretty kosher and works really well and yeah. the stigma around it has helped us because more like there's less competition for us
0: <laughs> <laughs> are
1: there any affiliate resources that you recommend people check out no i think you have to think about affiliate from the same angle you think about business development don't even think about this as like hey i, I want to put our platform on share or sale or impact radius of course like those are my two preferred platforms to use but uh, but i i think about this as strategic partnerships more so than just uh Just an affiliate. For example, like WB Forms. The functional completion of a WB Forms product is to create a form. But what the user wants is more leads and you know more sales. So since we can't provide all of those things, we need to go and find everybody who is and then getting them to you know talk about us. So for example, there might be a YouTuber who's teaching people how to build a website. Well, part of building a website is adding a contact form. So if if I can get him just naturally place our product in his tutorial. It's, and which is watched by let's say eighty thousand people, placement cost is like negligible. You can give them a code. If people use it, then they get a commission. But we're also happy to give the placement cost as well. So now we have this content that's living there. It's you know constantly being searched on YouTube, and we're owning those keywords. And then we're like even asking our affiliates to go create more. How to create you know contact form or how to you know grow your email list or how to get more traffic in or how to see the stats that matter for our analytics product, and getting those videos you know, created by people who already have you know, uh, YouTube channels and things like that. Because you have to understand, publishers don't know how to monetize their site. So you know, you are giving them away is an additional way to make money, and if that's their core business model, it works really, really well.
0: And do you have a full-time resource dedicated to this? Or affiliate, what, ma- affiliate management, the reaching out to affiliates, etc. Uh,
1: no, because we, we focus specifically on WordPress, so uh-huh. our sites only talk about how to do anything with WordPress. So yeah. we'll, we'll teach you how to set up an affiliate program on your WordPress site if you're using WordPress, but we don't have necessarily tips on how to cultivate an affiliate uh, site. But like blogs like ShareSale, Commission Junction, they, they do a good job, but they're solely focused on one angle, and I'm, think, I'm saying that Think about it from a broader perspective. If somebody has your customer, I'll give you an example of an unconventional affiliate for us is theme company. So if you're building website templates, right? So part of a website template is they have to make their design look good with various website elements, including a contact form. So we can say, hey, how about you style your theme to match you know, or look good with our plugin because it's really popular now. But even before, when it wasn't popular, I'm like, hey, how, how about you bundle this, and anybody who upgrades from the free version to the pro version from your theme will give you a cut. So now they are an unconventional partner. We have one theme, like Ocean WP, that's running on 300,000 websites, and it's getting so many new people you know, coming on board and you know, joining and using that theme. Now we have that distribution flow. Anybody who discovers OceanWP, now we have that free placement, and we'll only pay them if, like, uh, if the user upgrades. And then, and then on top of that, because we have that informational content because we believe that in order for the user to even use any of our WordPress plugins, they have to create a WordPress website, they have to choose a theme, now we can then start promoting OceanWP as our preferred provider. Right? So now it's a win-win. We can send them more customers because we know that customers then eventually going to come back to one of our products anyways. So sending a customer to them or to any of our product is the same thing. You see how he thinks? It's crazy. So, you know, I was I was actually reading some reports for some
0: publicly traded companies about 10 to 15% of their revenue is being driven by affiliates. Is that something that you're seeing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. Have, we have a pretty robust affiliate ecosystem.
0: Got it. Okay. Cool. And so, rewinding to the early days of Optin Monster, how did you think you got your first 1,000 paying customers?
1: Well, I was lucky enough to have a blog called WPB Beginner, which had like hundreds of thousands of subscribers already, so I just launched it to to our list. But another thing that we did was influencer marketing at the time. There wasn't very many good platforms to do it. So we just reached out to all the affiliates using, or not affiliates, influencers using spreadsheet and just said, hey, we'll give you a free lifetime account mm-hmm. in exchange for like reviews and shout outs. And we literally approached everybody who I thought had our, subscri- you know, our audience. Uh, and we were solely focused on publishers, like bloggers and businesses at the time. So anybody who was, who was using, doing content marketing or teaching content marketing, we wanted them to promote us. And that's how we, you know, did really well. I think in the first, like the first month, like first four weeks of launch, we gave like 120, 130 free accounts just in those first. So like, I guess my first 100 people were not paying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, but they drove a ton of things and and like put OptinMonster on the map because everybody was talking about OptinMonster, was using OptinMonster, and we had those powered by links. Everybody saw you know all these influencers were using OptinMonster
0: got it so your 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 tactic was find influencers reach out say hey free lifetime account and that was the incentive for them
1: right and of course we were doing all the content marketing around as if you were looking like best wordpress pop up plugin or you know we we, we were doing that but mm-hmm. the influencer marketing definitely was the okay. was the driver
0: so we got influencer we got affiliate what else is working for you in terms of marketing today
1: a lot and a lot of content marketing so we use like tools like answer the public mm-hmm. right and, and look at what are people looking for in our specific you know niche or vertical, and then we start creating as as many long tail content that we feel is useful to our user. We also are monitoring you know various communities like Quora. Uh, using BuzzSumo, Sumo, right? They have an aggregator which you can monitor all the questions and answers being asked in various QA platforms. So you, our, our content team is just looking through what questions are being asked and either going back and upgrading our content because we don't want to play content, uh, upgrading our content so it's more complete, or then creating new content. So our content marketing team does a pretty substantial amount mm-hmm. of you know, inbound traffic and then converting those into leads. And, you know, we have the ecosystem impact, right? We, we're, since we're choosing to operate in one ecosystem of WordPress, we get the backing of that ecosystem, that community, uh-huh. you know, the agencies in there, The I call them not developers, like website assemblers. So they're, they're not necessarily developers, but they're using tools like Elementor, DV, or one of the page builders, and then charging like, you know, 1000 bucks to 1500 bucks a client sites. Those are our ideal, you know, folks, because our solutions make them, look really good in front of their clients. And they constantly recommend it. So we have built this like, you know, reseller, but not really reseller program. Mm -hmm. So that's like another branch of affiliates, you know? Mm -hmm. They're, They're earning referral commission through us. That that ecosystem impact does really, really well. So sometimes it's not it's just focusing on one ecosystem is better than trying to say you do everything for everywhere. I was listening to some podcasts, this guy starting a $30 million business, just focusing on Microsoft Dynamics mm-hmm. as a CRM. Instead of being a CRM to compete with HubSpot and Salesforce, he was like, well, I'm just gonna build a CRM that's exclusive for Microsoft Dynamics. And he went and found channel partners, or I would say affiliates, right, who distribute his stuff, and they're doing $30 million in revenue. So looking at, you know, whichever industry you're in, like focusing on the ecosystem and saying, this is the community we're looking to serve. And that's what we've done. We don't, you know, when we launched Contact Form, if I said, I want to go compete head to head with Google Forms. It will be a dead end. But now we are a pretty formidable competitor to Google Forms. We're the fastest-growing form solution in the world, like faster than SurveyMonkey, Typeform, Wufoo, Google Forms. We're, we're 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 like faster growing than any of them. And now you know in three years, zero to two million. Mm-hmm. So just because we focused on WordPress and said, well, these guys are trying to serve everybody, we're going to serve the 34% of the web, right? Who cares if I don't have 100% of the web? As long as I can get majority of the 34% of the web, I'll be pretty happy.
0: Great. And just to rewind to you, your, your content output, how is your content team structured?
1: So each property that we have, so let's say WP Beginner, will have its own content team, mm-hmm. Monster has its own content team, Playform has its own content team, and, and so on and so forth. We have a director who kind of manages the whole, whole thing. Mm-hmm. But we, we have in-house writers. We don't really source content outside, mm-hmm. primarily because I feel there is a uh, certain level of subject, level, subject matter expertise that we need to have in-house, Both from the niche point of view, also from our product point of view, so we can put the best content outside. Also, you know, we use this thing called Character Diamond, which I don't know. How many of you are familiar with Character Diamond? One, two. So, like, this is what Hollywood screenwriters use to make sure Superman, you know, from the 70s is gonna be loved by the super, you know, people even today. So, however many iterations of Superman have been done, you know, you're gonna be in love with Superman, the character, no matter which generation it is, because Superman is always gonna have the same characters. Like there's four points, you know, North Star, the weak, the vulnerability, the relatability, and then the one thing that always holds true to them. So we have a character diamond for every single one of our brands, and our writers use that voice to make sure that even if the writers switch, right, because you have staff turnover, maybe they get a promotion somewhere else, they go somewhere else, but the content that's generated by our team it's always Monster had the best content, not Syed had the best content. Uh, as a matter of fact, you won't see my name in most of our websites anyways.
0: There's, so what's the reason for that? Because obviously you're, you're on this, the, the, Neil's on one spectrum, right? And then there's you. So your name's not appearing anywhere. So what, what's the reason for that?
1: Well, I, I've, I've kind of built our portfolio companies more from a private equity standpoint. I want to make it you know, easily packageable. So if, if any time we need to sell, we can sell it. You know, if if I put my brand associated with it and say, you know, this Sayed, then there's a stigma perception that if I am no longer part of the deal, then the business is gonna go down, right? So I can't have a clean break. Like for example, I exited List 25, right, in mm-hmm. October. Dude, I have ever been on two videos. Uh, I've made cameo appearances on two videos of List mm-hmm. 25. Wrote one blog post just to prove a point that it's pretty easy to do so, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. So. Got yeah, it. You won't. You won't really see me on any of the WP beginner videos either. Like, you won't. You won't really find me. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then going back to the content team, my last question around that is: different content team for each property. What's the average output per week?
1: It depends. So WP beginner, for example, will push out one article a day, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Optin Monster team pushes out about three pieces a week. The E-Form pushes out about three, two to three pieces a week. But yeah, we we don't. You know we. we're not trying to like churn and burn content like we're producing a lot. What we want to do is produce good content, complete content, and we also focus a lot on upgrading old content. Mm -hmm. So like if there's like three pieces being generated on Monster, one is a rewrite of an old piece that we wrote two years ago. Great. Um, So in terms of like management-wise we, like how many of you are using WordPress for your content stuff? All right, cool, a lot of people. So I'll give you some cool tools that, that, that are really, really good one is uh, published press. If you're not using it, publish press allows you to have uh, different met, like, you know, statuses for your content, different stages, so this is, these are in pitch stage, this is in you know, assigned stage, this is in, like, in, in the work, these are pending review, these are ready to publish. So you're, you can have statuses next to all of your WordPress posts so you know what's, what's happening. It has like, various other things like content calendar and things like that, but we use Asana for that, uh, for our content. But um, published Press is really cool. they also have a product called, which is free. these are all free by the way a plugin called revisionary. What revisionary does it allows any of your authors to submit an edit for an existing blog post so they can make a revision and then your editor can come in and like you know review it so it makes it super easy to you know have a process to update old old content so you know they, like mm. and it manages permissions really really well and then we also have a Plugin that, that's really helpful if you're using updated dates, you know, like last updated on. Like, you know, I think 2011 or 2010, a lot of bloggers were like, oh, we're going to remove dates altogether from our, uh, from our blog post because that's invalid, like, that that's, hurts your ranking. Then I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because users really want to see when it was created. So I started using this thing called last updated date. It was a little known function in WordPress. Well then, of course, uh, most SEOs do, they start abusing that feature and saying they're gonna just update all their content. So Google got smarter, right? So they, they will say, they'll remove the date from your content listing if you, uh, if you update frivolously. Like, you know, if you, if you didn't update anything and just hit the update button to update the date, the date will go away from your snippet, which actually hurts your CTR in most, like, you know, informational content space. So we use a plugin called Limit Modified Date, so if you're making a minor edit, which sometimes you have to make minor edits, so your template will respect that and not update the data at all. So, so we have like a laundry list of like plugins that we just use to make sure our content output is very efficient in WordPress, and these are, these are some of the top ones.
0: Cool. Great. And talking about the WordPress ecosystem, uh, I want to talk about acquisitions too. So how do you think about acquisitions? What are you doing in that space right now?
1: Yeah, so WordPress powers 34% of the web. It's a small piece, right? <laughs> there, there's there's no platform bigger. But, you know, you, you might hear a lot about Shopify being, you know, growing and like look at any any trends chart. WooCommerce is bigger, right? Now Shopify has bigger customers that are using it, but WooCommerce, from a scale wise, the number of users wise, bigger. So WordPress is the largest, you know, single platform on the internet, uh, and I look at it as the operating system for the web, right? So. So my goal is to, because we have the largest media site, we can see what people are searching for, what they're interested in. We do an annual user census. And we ask very specific questions like, if you could have us build one product, what would it be? And how much would you pay for it, right? So just being upfront and asking the user what they want and how much they would pay for it. And then we go look at, uh, should, we, should we build this product or should we buy it? Of course we want to buy it because the users, it's a, there's already a team there, there might already be a user base there, but if we can't acquire something, then we'll build it. We'll also look at acquisitions from a success gap point of view, right? One of the things for Optin Monster we identified was you need to have a platform, whether it's an e-commerce or a membership site. Those are really good customers for us from Optin Monster because of the amount of value Optin Monster delivers to it. And then, you know, with my, through my growth fund, I took a stake in MemberPress, uh, you know, which is a WordPress membership site, and it's a pretty pretty substantial ecosystem, I believe. Like uh, last last check. Processing $400 million in, in, you know, just transactions through that platform. So it's, it's, it's pretty neat. So looking at those success gaps and then trying to acquire or, you know, take stakes. So most of the time my day is spent on looking at the ecosystem, reviewing the deals, trying to figure out strategic partnerships. And WordPress is growing fast. There's like fifty-five thousand plugins right now in the ecosystem, and new ones just keep coming. But it's still surprising that the new ones can can very quickly go, go to you know three to five million-dollar businesses in in very little time.
0: Right. Acquisitions. I mean, that to me, that's almost another marketing tactic. Yeah. Um, and but here's the thing: you need a lot more thinking time for it too, right? So, right. how does Syed clear up the time for himself to think about this? I know you've made some key hires, you've backed out of certain businesses, etc.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, of course, like you know, with all these different portfolio companies, I'm not in day to day of most of them. There's like a GM or president role for for those companies. I I follow like the ideal work week calendar by Michael Hyatt. So, if you if you haven't checked out his stuff, he's pretty good at that. And he also has a planner, which I found very helpful to use a full focus planner instead of documenting everything in my phone, which we live in, actually journaling that. But I have my Fridays blocked off and spend like good, good three to four hours just thinking. And most of the time it's completely very unproductive because I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting in this egg chair that that I bought (laughs) because I was like, this is my thinking chair identity thing, right? So when I'm there, I'm the thinking side. So so, So I'm just sitting in this egg chair and just like. Letting my brain go wherever, and most of the time you have no
0: technology, too. What happened? No technology. No tech. No, no, no.
1: No tech. And just just a journal, which is just sitting on the table in front. I'm not holding the journal, Mm -hmm. and just thinking about like who has my customer, who I can talk to, where would it make sense, how can I bring value to them? Like number one, strategic partnerships are only going to happen, at least the big ones, if if you have enough value to deliver to the other person. If it's a one way deal, it likely won't happen. So just thinking, sitting there thinking about like you know various things and every now and again, you come, out with, come up with a really cool idea yeah. <laughs> and you execute on that. But yeah. guys, check out the Michael Hyatt Ideal Work Week. It's really, really good. It, it helps you just design this and you have to hold yourself accountable that hey, this is my focus block. I'm gonna only work on this brand in this focus block and just makes it easier to say no to a lot of things. Right, which which I think all of us struggle with because I believe most of you are pretty nice people and you just say yes, I want to help you, and then next thing you know, three hours later, you're still stuck helping, and not not growing your business. So
0: right, yeah. and what percent of the time do you think you come up with something that's pretty significant? Like because you're spending the entire eight hours there, right? Or
1: no, three to four hours. Three to four extra. hours. Okay, um, dude, I would I would say like most of the time is extremely unproductive. Yeah, uh, because, because because I'm just sitting there. And, and just like let, letting my brain wander, right? Yeah. And, and come, try, trying to see what, what I would come up with. And I come up with like stupid idea that then when you, know, when you discuss or you give it like thought the second time, it won't like, oh, what were yeah. I thinking, right? Yeah. But, then, but, then, but then you come out with a stroke of genius and you're like, okay, this is, this is great. Mm-hmm. Like our SMTP acquisition was, was part of that, yeah. right? We acquired, we acquired this plugin that, uh, that helps your email deliverability in WordPress because that's a big problem. But the, more, the reason why we were getting like one star reviews on daily forms from a portion of the users was because they're like, your contact form doesn't send us an email. Well, dude, that's not our problem, that's your hosting problem. So I'm like, how do we solve this thing? And I'm like, you know, I don't want to you know, compete with SendGrid, mm-hmm. um, and we can, we're sending people to SendGrid, but like clearly that it's not, like you know, find, the people are not finding it, so what should I do? And I'm like, ah, oh, there, there, there's an the SMTP plugin, I can't buy SendGrid's integration, is there any other integration? And it turns out there's a plugin called WP Mail SMTP and it was running on 600,000 websites and I I reached out to the guy, he was a global nomad just traveling, the solo developer, he was like, oh, you pay me X price and it was really, really low and I bought it, like 600,000 users for like like pennies, right? And then, because he was a solo developer, he was a global nomad, he's like, oh, I'm getting cash right now for this thing that doesn't make us any money. And for me, it's solving a success gap because now users are very happy that we're, we're giving them this free solution that they can integrate with Mailgun and SendGrade. Because, believe it or not, like WordPress for companies like Mailgun and SendGrid and others are just an afterthought, right? So they don't pay as much attention to the, to the integration, whereas we're like, well, this is a big thing because we're a forms company and we want to make sure the leads are actually getting to the inbox of the website owner or the sales team. So we go above and beyond to make sure those integrations work. And just in the last year and a half, it went from 600000 to a million, and it's growing quite fast. We're actually coming out with a pro version of that on July 1st because we're like, why is this free? We should actually start charging and add more features that users have been asking for. Nice. So, so, yeah, So yeah. That, was, that was something good that came out of it.
0: Cool. We're going to work towards wrapping up here. A couple more questions. Um, so I actually remember reading something recently about two uh, ceos of publicly traded companies and they said what's the most important thing and they said it's the thinking time that they get literally blocking off time and everybody called the shut up time uh, don't talk to me and just putting technology away and just thinking um and you come up with an idea like that where you get something for pennies on a dollar works out um so you and i officially met even though we knew each other online for years and years mm-hmm. but we met at a mastermind so you know and we have our own thing too right. so like why are these things important to you? Because kind of it's a huge time investment. You've got to fly places.
1: For sure. I feel like you know, just hanging out with like-minded, smart people, everybody's doing something unique in their business, and they, have, they approach it differently, and you might be able to take that approach and bring it back to one of your companies or your, one of your portfolio companies and say, hey, or just connect the two people. Can you, can you spend 30 minutes of your time with this, one of my you know, GMs and walk them through how you're doing it or just do a two-minute two screen recording? It's kind of getting those ideas are, are very, very important. Also, like you know, there's a lot of strategic partnership value, right? What we started doing with Nextiva, right? So I met, I met Yaniv through you, who's actually gonna be a speaker later, in, later in, the, in the day, and they have a business phone service that, that you know, I'm like, do you, do you only go after enterprise or SMBs? He's like, oh, we have a huge SMB market. I'm like, dude, we have all the SMB users. What can I do to help? He's like, oh, if you get you know, if you, any, anything, you know, if you can do it. So we just create a content piece for them and, you know, with, with the user base that we have, it starts sending a good amount of leads to them. So it's just like build, building that, and now you, know, you don't know where that relationship goes. Maybe that that you start seeing like OptinMonster being recommended to Nixiva customers, or another one of our products. So that strategic partnerships, I've found a lot of them to be had at you know small networking event, like I was in Toronto e- eating cookies for charity, right? I, it's like sampling like all the different chocolate chip cookies, but I made like several good connections there, and you know, those relationships lead to long term. Like, like I said, just doing the simple thing over a long period of time will deliver compounding results, and that's why I really like those mastermind and small networks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the tools you wanted to talk about, too, but one, one of these tools we heard about actually through Walter, who's in the group. Um, so do you want to talk about that oh, tool and how to manifest it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, so we, we, we yeah. were, we were in, uh, in in Tulum with like nine of us there, and it's like, just kind of like you share what's the best thing that's working for you, and I believe it was Walter and uh, Eric, another Eric here who talked about this uh, tool called Good UI, all right? So if you have an e-commerce website or a, uh, any, any conversion, if you're conversion-focused, you have to check out this website called goodui.org, I believe. And the guy is literally sharing experiments. He's a CRO consultant and working with some really, really large brands. And he'll, he'll like talk about what they did and what the results were, Like right? 4% uplift or 12% uplift by changing certain UX elements on your, on your card or throughout your website. And the value of those experiments are so cool because now you can give give that access to any of your team members and say, hey, I want you to try experiment one, five, seven, and the number thirteen, and and then just roll with it. And you can see like you know small lifts, and with, with us being in a recurring revenue business, those small lifts are compounding. So that like you discover tools like that. Another, I, I believe another guy, Chris, he shared like how you can get half a million dollar in like am, like Amazon AWS credits for free. Right? So we, we have like a pretty, pretty large like server bill every month. So we're like, okay, we're gonna sign up and get like, you know, 200,000 credits here, 200,000 credits here, 200,000 credits here, and like your entire hosting bill is like free for like I don't know how many months. So, and it, which drives your margins, right? you know, and, and allows you to reinvest in the business more. So like sometimes you'll learn about these really, really creative uh, ways other people are solving problems, or these little hacks, right? That are little known, but completely legal things to do. I love Larry's thing. Yeah, <laughs> completely legal things to do. So yeah, so I love masterminds um, for that piece as well. Cool. Um, and
0: you just, you just showed me a tool during break. Uh, so a question I always ask is, what's one new tool that you've added in your life to your life in the last year that's added a lot of value? So it could be a physical thing or it could be like an app.
1: Oh yeah. So uh, really cool app on iPhone. It's called Streaks. I don't know if you guys use it. Any any habit that you're trying to develop, you can you can use it in. Uh, came from the Atomic Habits book that I read like several months ago, and um, just kind of good, good accountability tracker. In terms of SEO, since so I'm not really all, all in the day to day of SEO these days, but one, one tool that our team uses pretty religiously is the content template feature in SEM Rush, which I feel like is a, I guess, poor man's version of Market Muse, but does like 90% of the thing without, <laughs> without like a heavy subscription cost, um, and it, it helps you create more complete content uh, so yeah, so that's that's been pretty cool. great. final question from my side.
0: Uh, what is one must read book you'd recommend, or what are you reading right now?
1: Oh, man. Uh, the last book that that I read was a very small book called "Extreme Revenue Growth by Victor Chang who's so a good. like a McKinsey consultant yeah. and simple, straightforward book, but it, it, it talks about like you know very some key principles, which if, if you if you do those right. Does really well. And I had all, all of my growth fund companies and accelerator companies use them mm. and read it. So it was, it was a really good book. Yep. Atomic Habits, if you haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend it. Really, really, really good book.
0: Cool. So awesome. James Clear has been, I'm going to plug my other podcast. Uh, James okay. Clear has been on the Growth Everywhere podcast mm-hmm. and, and Victor from um, Extreme Revenue Growth is actually coming on in August, I believe. So cool. yeah, If you guys want the Cliff Notes version, it's going to be on there. But So yeah, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online?
1: Well, you can follow me on Instagram, as Syed Balki. I post. You don't
0: even use your Instagram.
1: I know, but <laughs> that's probably the only thing where I am super publicly social. Otherwise, any of our brands, like you know, if you're looking for WordPress, then look at WP Beginner, uh, or if you're looking for CRO, look at OptinMonster. Cool. Well, yeah. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Syed. Yeah, thank you.
0: So we hope you enjoyed that clip, that audio clip from the Marketing School live conference. If you're interested in a live intimate event where we go deep on your business, we workshop your business, Neil and I will be there, other people will be there as well, where we really help skyrocket and scale your business faster, all you have to do is apply at marketingschool.io slash live, that's L-I-V-E, marketingschool.io slash live, liv And we hope to see you inside and don't forget to check out tomorrow's episode.